Hello and welcome back to Nomad Neek's Lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining me on this fourth episode. I hope you have found hopefully at least a little bit of value in the previous episodes um, on me just touching on my life and my journey and making it back to China. So I hope that you found at least something valuable from it, and I appreciate you listening and subscribing. So today I wanted to just do a quick episode on something that I would say I have somewhat of a decent knowledge of. Um, I know a lot of teachers before they come to China myself included, I just blindly accepted a job. I looked at the salary, I skimmed over the contract, both looked sufficient, I guess I would say, to me. So I signed on the dotted line and off I went to China. And I think a lot of people do that, especially if you know, you're leaving home maybe because you're bored or for political reasons, or if you just don't want to be at home and you want to be somewhere else, it's easy to just kind of sign and not really fully understand the different options, I guess I would say, that you could have. I know I, when I first came to China in 2017, I was with a company and I thought my salary at the time was pretty good. I guess for 2017 it was okay. I have heard of some people being offered a similar salary now in 2020 and I just know so much more about China and the jobs and the salary and the working conditions. So now um, when I do have, I do have quite a few people reaching out to me on WeChat and on the Facebook groups, not reaching out to me specifically, but looking to get some advice and I always try to give them some insight. Sometimes I'll add them as friends and just audio them for minutes on end of everything that I have learned in the last, you know, two and a half, three years. I'm not too sure what I can say exactly now since I was out of China for about nine months due to COVID, but yeah, I guess just throughout my time in China. So what I wanted to discuss today was the difference between the public school system in China and the private school system in China. They are very completely different working environments and pay grades and qualifications and certifications that you will need to have. So I think it's just really a great starting point for if you're thinking about coming to China or if your heart is set on China um, to kind of know what your options are and what you'll most likely be getting into in whatever position that you accept. So first and foremost, I again would like to apologize for the construction noises. If you hear those in the background, the area that I live in is really just being completely torn down because it's an older area. So they're rebuilding all of it. And from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. on the dot, I hear this construction. I'm actually kind of getting used to it now. But just for the sake of this podcast, if you do hear that, I apologize. Okay, so getting into it. So let's start with where I started in 2017. I 
was a recruiter. I know that the company I was with advertised online on different websites as well. I'll get into some websites that you can use um, to find jobs in China later on, but I went through a recruiter and so I was not at all a certified teacher back home in Canada. So I they do require you, in China at least, to have an undergraduate degree and a TEFL certification. So I got a pretty comprehensive TEFL degree. Oh, there goes the construction online. It was 12 weeks and it, I think it was 1500 Canadian dollars. So it was definitely like probably the priciest one you could get. But when I do something and it was accredited, like I just wanted to commit to have that accreditation for a lifetime. So I did that program and that qualified me to become a teacher in China. So since I was not a certified teacher at home, I knew that um, private school would be out of the picture for me. So my recruiter set me up with a company. I hopped on a Skype call all ready for all of these questions and it ended up being a 13 and a half minute Skype call. Um, really, I think all they wanted to see was that I was who I said I was. I was a native speaker. Hear a little bit about what my qualifications for coming to China would be and when I would be able to start. And this was November and they were really pressuring me to get there in February. And all the documents that you need to get the visa for China, at least I'm sure it's changed, but at least in 2017, there was a lot of documents. It easily took me five to six months and cost me about $1,500 back then not sure what it is now especially in the midst of covid but yeah so definitely november and being able to go for the february term to start um i i definitely figured that wouldn't happen at at some point they kind of stopped pressuring me to do that and they were like okay just come for september and i was like perfect that was my plan all along so what I did was I signed with a company, not with a school. And so some of the big companies who do this are Sea Dragon is a big one. Haida is the company that I was with. And Siptic is another one, at least in Shenzhen. I know different cities have different named ones. Um, but those are probably the biggest ones that I know of in Shenzhen. So they, you sign a contract with the company and the company will place you at a public school of their choosing. So you're not actually signed with the school, you're just placed to whichever school they decide that they need you in. And how it works in Shenzhen at least, which I found really interesting in the beginning, was that these companies bid on the districts. So I wanted to be in Futian, one of the more central districts, and thankfully that year Haida had bid and had gotten Futian district. So they had all of the public schools in Futian district to place teachers at. And since there's probably about a public school every, I would say, kilometer in China, that's quite a fair bit of schools. And then they had other districts as well, but Futian was the main one that I wanted. I requested um, on my interview and in my contract, or when we were emailing about my contract to get Futian, thankfully they did place me there. I know a lot of teachers who requested and they put them like really out into the sticks. So thankfully my request got through to them. Um, maybe because I was a native speaker from North America, I'm not really too sure the factors, but so with Haida, that was the company I was placed with. I was making 13,000 RMB, which I thought was a pretty good salary. And I actually came, I signed the contract thinking it was just 13,000. 
but you get a housing allowance. Every company, every school will give you a housing allowance in China. So that was an additional 3,000. So I was actually making 16,000 my first year. And I thought I was only making 13. I didn't realize that the housing wasn't lumped into that. So I came here and I was pleasantly surprised to have an extra 3,000 RMB. So 16,000, maybe that's around 2,500, 2,300 Canadian dollars, somewhere around there. I'm not too sure of my conversion, but it was somewhere around there. So at the time it was okay money. You know, it's, it's not amazing. I got a housing allowance. Um, and so how that works is the school, as I said, will really just place you anywhere. And now they only have these companies like Haida only have public schools. So you're placed in the public school system, which is a challenge, I would say, for most people. So public school easily has, I would say, 50 kids per class. You only see them once a week in public school. So you're really just like a foreign face to them. You're kind of just like a voice box. They don't really actually, you know, you're not there with them for enough hours in the week to actually be implementing any real English into into their everyday lives. Their Chinese teachers really, really do that the most. Um, You're just kind of, you know, like the foreign face and the foreign voice to get them used to that way of speaking and listening. Um, Now, I had 13 classes a week, which is really nothing, 40 minutes per class. my first job with Haida, I was working from eight to five with, I believe, a two and a half hour lunch. They really like to nap on their lunch times. So that was nice. And I actually lived like really close, a five minute walk to the school. So I would go home, make lunch, have like a 45 minute nap, walk back to school. And I could do all of that on my lunch break, which was amazing. So the behaviors in the public school system since a lot of them honestly don't know English and a lot of them aren't from wealthier families because they're not in a private school they don't really care too much about English the behavior can be crazy of course in every class you'll always have the students that want to learn and that are good and that are active listeners and then you'll always have the students that just don't care you just always will but definitely public school is a lot more of a challenge 50 kids you can't get them up out of their seats you can't really do too much group work whenever I would try to pair the boys and the girls together they go ew but she's a girl you know so it was it was definitely a challenge a huge learning curve for me never having taught anyone in my life to going to teaching 50 kids in terms of lesson planning they give you a book and that was a Quite a while ago let me I think it was maybe one unit per week was what it was and you know each unit is two to four pages it's not big so you just make a lesson plan based on that and usually I would do some type of game or a video and a PPT and yeah there wasn't really too many interactive group work um activities because the class would just get so sidetracked and with 50 kids you really can't have them getting up out of their desk because especially with the younger ones it can be a bit crazy so i was teaching grades four five and six when i was in public school we had two foreign teachers for the whole school 
one taught two, three and a half of four, and then I taught the other half of four, five, and six. I do prefer the older kids if possible. Um, so I did luck out with that because I didn't get a choice in my ages that I wanted to teach. Um, you also do not get teaching assistants. I believe in my first year I knew of, there was a group of about 15 of us who were in China together, first time teachers. I think one of them had a Chinese assistant teacher in the classroom and they're amazing because they will straighten those kids out so fast and yell at them when they get out of line. And so you know those kids are paying attention in your lesson. <laughs> But without any type of Chinese teacher in the class, it's normally just you and 50, 50 children, things can get crazy. They really, really respect their Chinese teachers, but they know that foreign teachers are not as strict because Chinese teachers, I mean, I've seen them, you know, whipping kids with rulers and whatnot. They know we're not gonna do that. They know that we are kind of the fun class they know all these things so they're definitely not the most well behaved i would say most of them in these classes so it can be a challenge but again each class is only 40 minutes you see them once a week so um it's absolutely manageable all right so that's a little bit about the public school system so that was my first two years in china i worked at the same school same grades um same company it was it was it was convenient the second year because I had all the lesson plans I had taught for a previous year I knew what I was doing I knew some of my students so it was it was there was not much of a learning curve so I decided to try something else after that and I was actually only in the private school for a term before COVID hit and then I was in Canada so I just got back to China last week and so I've been teaching back again at the private school I was at prior to COVID. So I've been there for pretty much a term at this point, but huge differences between public and private school. So my private school, you actually don't need, you, you can be, or you can have a PGCE or something like that, but you don't need to be a certified teacher which of course is how I got the job. There are a lot of private schools in Shenzhen or international schools, American schools, that you absolutely need to be a certified teacher. You know, one of the big seven countries, native seven countries, and you need to have teaching experience in your home country as well. So I would not qualify for those positions, but the school that I'm at now, I don't need to be a teacher. I, it's just the two years experience that they want. Usually to get any type of private school job, you'll need to be a teacher or minimum have two years teaching experience in China or elsewhere. They just want to see you have that experience. I would have not been able to just come straight to China and get this job. So typically what I tell people is to come to China for a year, maybe two years, depending on what your prior experience is work at one of these companies, get the experience, just save the money, and then you can move on to a private school where the teaching is, it is a little bit more work, but it's more rewarding, you know the kids, and the salary is much better. So to begin, one major bonus of being with the private school is that you're, you don't go through a company like Haida or Sea Dragon. You are signed directly with the school. So if you ever have an issue, if they ever pay you late, you just talk to HR instead of having to talk to HR at the company you work for. And then it's kind of like going through multiple channels, the school, the company. So that's a really nice perk of 
of working for a private school. Now, in terms of class sizes, I have about 30 kids. I'd say 25 to 30 kids, more so 30 kids in my class. And because it is a private school, they try to cap it at 30. That's kind of one of the, you know, the big selling points. We use the foreign books and we have we have the smaller class size than you would get in public school. 50 to 30 is a very, very noticeable difference um, as a teacher. I still do not have any type of teaching assistance. Sometimes their homeroom teacher will come sit in the classroom, but usually they don't know English, so it's just kind of to straighten them out. But I would say 99.9% .9 of the time is, again, it's just me and 30 students. So I taught grade five, my first term I was there, I'm now teaching grade six. Um, and yeah, it's just me and them in the classroom. In terms of behavior, I would say the behavior is definitely much better than public school. Of course, you'll always have, it's usually the boys, you'll always have those boys who just don't care to learn or know English, which is fine. You're going to have that in any class, but the level of English that they know is night and day difference. There goes the construction again. It is night and day difference of what I got in public school to what I'm getting now at my school. These kids can form sentences using the correct tenses and they can write. We were doing letter writing today and some of these letters were really good and I can actually get them to do letter writing and not all of them, but some of them will have a full letter written, whereas I didn't even bother with letter writing in public school because it, it would just be really nothing to mark on the page. So although the English is still not perfect, of course, they're still learning. Um, it's absolutely much better than public school, which makes my job easier. But with private school, we do, of course, have other obligations that need to be fulfilled. So I do do marking. You know, I didn't do any marking in public school. I didn't give homework in public school. I could give homework if I wanted to now. They just have so much homework, like hours and hours and hours, especially in sixth grade. So I don't give them homework. I could give them homework. Um... And then we have, um, we call them blue books, but they're like a, just a little, like a couple sentences to give to the parents to put in the student books and then bring home to the parents so the parents can kind of see the teacher's feedback of how the student is in the class and what their level of English is and what they could improve on for the future. So we do that twice a term and they have unit tests and we do you know letter writing and reading comprehension and different things like that um, that i do grade and i do give them a final mark in my class at the end of the term some marks are 100 percent. some marks are zero absolutely i've had more than a few zeros for the kids who just don't want to learn english but that's the name of the game so yeah, definitely a little bit more work than public school, but much more rewarding. You actually know your kids. I saw them four times a week, so every day except for one um, last year. Now, because we are short-staffed due to COVID, I see them three times a week. I think it'll eventually go back up to four times a week. So, um, you definitely... I, I actually know their names. I didn't know a single... 
out of my 600 kids I had in public school, I did not know a single name and I'm not exaggerating. Um, I don't even think a lot of them actually had English names. All of these students have English names. I make them put their name tag on their desk at the beginning of class. So I actually know their English names and not their Chinese names, but I know their English names. And if they're acting up or if they raise their hand, I can call them by their name. And we actually have that type of relationship, which is nice to know them one-on-one -on -one and know, you know, their level of English and their names. So, oh, so I do see these kids three times a week. So I have six classes that I teach of grade six. So I have 18 classes now compared to 13 that I initially had in public school. And I saw them once a week. So definitely increased. Um, I know it could go up to 22 if I get some more classes or if we see them more often in the week, four times a week instead of three. So it could definitely go up. Um, a lot of that is also due to COVID. But um, yeah, I see them more often and I have a relationship with them, which is nice. So in terms of salary, I do still get a housing allowance with my school, like I said, I think everywhere, private or public, you always get a housing allowance. And the nice thing about housing allowance is it's not taxed. So if you don't use the full amount for your rent, you still get to keep it and it's just not taxed. You just need like an invoice, which is like 30 to $50. Oh my gosh, sorry. Yeah. I need some water, which is yeah, 30 to $50 for the invoice and then that gives you tax-free off of however much your housing allowance is. So my housing allowance now is 7,000 RMB, which is really generous, probably about 12 or 1300 Canadian dollars. My rent is 52 and then I have internet and utilities. So I do get to take home some of that housing allowance and rent and ut or utilities and internet, by the way, are so, so cheap easily less than a hundred dollars a month for both of those combined but anyways um so and then my actual salary is around twenty thousand nineteen to twenty thousand so it's about twenty seven thousand in total before tax um all salaries are before tax that i've mentioned but yeah i think it's it's pretty good honestly i'm i'm quite happy with the salary especially for me not being a certified teacher and just having that previous teaching experience it's a really great salary i do know you can go ten thousand or more if you're at an actual international school um like an american or a british international school which they definitely have in shenzhen but you need to again be a certified teacher with teaching experience to qualify for that um so one thing I tell, I know a lot of people when they initially come to China, they see, even nowadays, they see that ticket of 13 or 16,000 RMB and some of them have really, really great jobs back home in America or Canada or the UK or whatever. And I'm like, don't settle for that low amount. Kindergarten is probably, if you can do kindergarten for a year, I would say the best way to get your foot in the door, you can sign directly, normally directly with the kindergarten. Kindergarten, you can make some really good money, um, probably closer to what I'm making, to be honest, depending on which area you're in and which city and whatnot. But you can make some really good money in kindergarten if you can stick it out for a year or if you like working with younger kids, 
then it's a great job and you're not with a company you're directly with them your salary is good you don't always need that teaching experience or you don't need to be a certified teacher back home so that's another good way to get your foot in the door if you don't want to go with the companies that are a bit more lower paying because they do take a big portion of what the government gives them to give to us for our salaries so I think that is really just a really brief overview of all of the general knowledge I've acquired over the years of public and private and the difference and teaching in both and um, just seeing the, the behaviors and the differences and the attitudes of the students in both. So I hope that listening to this you gained a little bit of insight at least if you're planning on coming to China, planning to come teach, or even just thinking about it and wondering what the general salaries are nowadays. Keep in mind this is all for Shenzhen. Shanghai, Beijing might be a little bit different, maybe a little bit higher due to cost of living, but I do think it's probably about the same to be honest. Shenzhen, after having gone apartment hunting, is definitely getting pricier absolutely every year it just goes up more and more and we don't really get paid more so that's something to keep in mind as well with inflation but I hope that this helped you gave you a little bit more insight feel free to message me on instagram at nomadniques if you have any other questions about teaching in china Um, Even if you want a comparison of China and Korea, I haven't taught in Korea, but I do know a little bit from friends and recruiters about what the differences are between China and Korea, so I'd be happy to help with that, or any other questions that you have, I'm more than happy. If you would like some recruiter contacts, I can give you that as well, just feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you want, or let me know what you'd like to hear next and I would be happy to touch on anything China related. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will see you very soon on the next episode. Have a good one.